There was little at Boca del Monte, the mouth of the mountain, other than an isolated wooden inn marking the beginning of the journey into the high country of Colombia, South America. Eucharist, a woman who was the first person to take the gospel to the mountain people, shepherded Bill Drost to a rope bridge spanning a river about a hundred yards wide. There a mule awaited him on the other side for his ride to the top of the mountain. The ascent was sometimes the width of a man, sometimes a precipice plunged all the way to the valley below. The trek took most of the day. After reaching his destination at about 7 p.m., Bill lay exhausted on a bag of coffee. That's always a good place to lay exhausted. In about 30 minutes, more than 200 people had gathered to hear him speak. Prayer continued until midnight, and Bill told those who wanted to be baptized to wait a day or two so he could explain the scriptures to them concerning baptism. And Early the next morning, a man named Julio came up to Bill as he was shaving. He said, I want to be baptized, but I'm not sure I can be. Okay, why not? asked Bill. Well, you see, I've got three wives, and I don't know which to leave and which to take it. Seems to me like I'm going to have to make a decision. Bill didn't know what to say. So he said, Why don't you wait until tomorrow, and, and I'll let you know. After that night's service, Bill took his flashlight and the Bible and went into the coffee bushes. Kneeling down, he placed his Bible before him, and he prayed. God, there is something in your word that will settle this. I know there is, but I don't know where it is. You'll have to help me. Bill let his Bible lay open and his eyes lighted upon words from Revelation. First love. Bill thought, this can't be for the fellow. This is talking to the church. After turning his flashlight off and waiting again in the darkness, Bill said, Lord, please reveal to me what you want. What should this man do? Again, Bill let the Bible fall open and again his eyes fell on the phrase, first love. So Bill told the Lord, Lord, I don't know, but if this is what you have given me, I'll tell Julio. And Julio was waiting, waiting for Bill to tell him whenever Bill went to shave at 6.30 a.m. Julio asked him, what's the answer? Bill apologized, I I'm sorry, but I can't get anything else, only these two words, first love. That's it, Julio exclaimed. What's it, Bill asked, intrigued. I'm so glad the Lord has shown you because the first wife was the one I loved, but she has left me. Now I need to go and get her if I can and try to bring her back so we can live a Christian life together. More to this story and more to his story is found in the book Bill Dross the Pentecost, and I'll share a little bit more about his story and more about the beauty and the call to repentance right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host. You're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. It's called a Companion Podcast because it goes right along with the lesson guide, the small group guide, all of those different resources that help us to draw closer to God through our devotion to this God's Word for Life. Today's episode stems from a lesson dated May 15th, 2022, and it is entitled The Call to Repentance. We're going to take a look at a verse in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse 17. If you have your Bible, 
turn there. If not, I'll read it for you from Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus was listening to some conversations, and Mark records, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Boy, I am so glad because I am a sinner saved by the amazing grace of God. Just before Jesus ascended, he said, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Luke 24, verse 44. One of these earliest fulfillments was a prophecy from Isaiah concerning John the Baptist. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That's found in Matthew 3, verse 3. Two words I want you to note in Isaiah's prophecy. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's from Isaiah 40, verse 3. The two words are Lord and God. These two words, these pronouns, identify Jesus as God himself. Lord represents the Hebrew Yahweh. Sometimes we say Jehovah in English, by which God identified himself to Moses. The Hebrew word that translates God in Isaiah 40 is the form of Elohim, which is used of the Creator in Genesis 1 and so many other places in the Scripture. So here's a question. If somebody asked you how Jesus could be the Lord God, how would you answer? The first recorded words spoken by John the Baptist were, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew 3, verse 2. That the message of repentance was John's mission is reiterated in so many ways in the Gospels. For example, Luke wrote of John that he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, Luke 3, verse 3. Like Matthew, Luke connected John's ministry with Isaiah's prophecy, but Luke extended that even farther. Mark also made it clear that John's inaugural message was the necessity to repent. For John baptized in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, Mark 1, verse 4. Just like Matthew, just like Luke, Mark saw John's ministry as a fulfillment of this beautiful prophecy from Isaiah in Isaiah 40, verse 3. Here's a fun Greek word for you, metanoia. It's translated repentance. And really, it means to change one's life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude regarding sin and righteousness. Metanoia is change, changing our life, changing our thought, changing our attitude as it regards to sin and righteousness. Here's another question. How does true repentance change people's lives? Isaiah's prophecy about John the Baptist pointed specifically to Jesus, so much of the Old Testament does. But John's focus on Jesus was not just limited to Isaiah's prophecy. John made it known from his comments about Jesus and his interaction that Jesus was far greater, far greater than John. John continually pointed his hearers to Jesus. John knew his own ministry was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, who would point to the promised Messiah, the promised Messiah who himself would take away the sin of the world and baptize those who believe on him with the Holy Spirit. John couldn't do that. For people to be prepared for the coming of the Lord, they need to repent. They needed to, and we need to. This is always the first step for those who wish to be right with God. We all love to see people baptized, but hey, Let's not get the trailer before the truck. 
We don't have carts and horses really anymore, so we've got to update that metaphor. Baptism is only as powerful as repentance. When somebody is baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that is made powerful, of course, by the name of Jesus and by the repentance of that person being baptized. There's no way to be buried unless we first die. Of course, buried is baptism, and dying out to sin is repentance. John preached about Jesus when he said, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I have baptized you with water, but he, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Anticipating that beautiful day of Pentecost when Jesus would pour out his Holy Spirit. And just as John the Baptist came on the scene fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah, so did Jesus. Matthew connected the beginning of Jesus' ministry with a prophet from Isaiah found in Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 2, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. That was not a compliment. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. After these words, Matthew wrote, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Of course, we're very familiar with Isaiah 9. How about every Christmas, somewhere just around the end of November, all the way through the almost the end of December, we hear this passage over and over. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. This was a sneak peek hundreds of years earlier that Jesus' ministry would not just be for the Jews, it would also be for the Gentiles, or as Isaiah chapter 9 says it, the Galilee of the nations. Whether Jew or Gentile, the message of repentance is introductory after believing on Jesus for entering into the kingdom of God. In other words, our sorrow for sin alone, it does not open the door to God's kingdom. We must repent of our sins, but the repentance comes because we have heard and we believe the gospel message as we read about it in the scriptures in the Gospels, and our response in the book of Acts. Jesus certainly demonstrated authority to forgive sins. A paralyzed man was brought to Jesus, lowered on a bed, and Jesus said, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. He said this in response to the faith of the paralyzed man and those who brought him to Jesus. And this text does not specifically mention repentance, but it's reference to faith and the willingness of the paralyzed man to be brought to Jesus, the obvious faith of those who brought him to Jesus, all indicate hearts that have been transformed by hearing and responding to the good news Jesus was preaching. The Bible doesn't tell us every detail of every event. We'd need a weightlifting belt to be able to lift the Bible if it did, but it does open our understanding of some of those details it doesn't record. How can we be sure the paralyzed man had repented of his sins? Well, there were some who did not like Jesus, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees. They didn't believe on Jesus, and they complained, How dare he? This man receives sinners, and he even eats with them. 
And in response to that, Jesus told the parable we know about the lost sheep in Luke 15. Jesus' behavior offended the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious, because Jesus came for the lost, not for those who were already saved or thought they were. In that parable, Jesus told a story of 99 sheep who were safe and saved, but only one of them was lost, and Jesus ran to find the one lost sheep. And this was more than a story. Jesus practiced what he preached. He called a sinner, a a hardened sinner, to be one of his followers, Levi, who was a tax collector, who was a Jew who sold his soul to the Romans, basically, to be able to collect taxes and make himself rich on the backs of his own Jewish brothers and sisters. And yet Jesus called him to be a disciple, to be a follower. And the scribes and Pharisees, the religious, they questioned Jesus. How dare he eat with publicans like Levi, sinners? And Jesus answered, those who are whole don't need a physician, but those who are sick. Sorry, fellows, but I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. The righteous don't think they need to repent. The sinners know they do. And thankfully, sinners can be forgiven. Were the Pharisees and the scribes who did not believe on Jesus, were they righteous or were they not? Were they self-righteous? Ah, repentance. It's become quite a, an offensive word in our culture. But repentance is not a suggestion. Repentance is a command, and it's a command to everyone, everywhere. When Paul took his preaching tour to the city of Athens, he noticed the whole city was swamped with idolatry, and he preached to them that God commands all men everywhere to repent, because one day God will judge everyone, everywhere from all over the world. Thank God for this beautiful, grace-filled opportunity we have to repent of our sins and be right with him. This ability to repent, it is a gift from God. It is a blessing. And Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius. The Jewish believers glorified God and they said, God has given to the Gentiles repentance unto life. And Jesus was very, very clear according to Luke 13. Those who refuse to repent will perish When we obey this universal command and we repent of our sins and we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, we have the promise of forgiveness. We have the promise of the gift of God's Holy Spirit, which he will pour out upon us if we are hungry and we are ready. Last question. Are there some people for whom repentance is impossible? That's a good question. And I will let you ponder that for a moment as we wrap this episode up. It was at least one hour's walk from where Bill Dross was meeting to a place where he could baptize someone. As he lay on his coffee bag, Bill had a vision. He saw a white horse, and beside it he saw a short, round man with a red face, and in front of the man a pool with ducks swimming on it. And Bill told the people the dream, and one person said, Ah, we know who that is. That's the man we all work for. That's Senor Fandino. But what about the pool of water, Bill asked. Oh, he has a pool, they said, but but he warned he is not in favor of the gospel. And Bill answered, never mind, you just tell me where he lives. And it's about a 45-minute walk from here. 
So Bill sent a young man to tell Senor Fandino he wanted to speak to him. And soon Bill was standing before the man he saw in the vision. And Senor Fandino knew about Bill. So he asked him politely, May we use your pool to baptize some people, Senor Fandino? And he responded, Why do you want to baptize them? Weren't they all baptized when they were children? And Bill explained, No, sir, this is a baptism unto repentance. And if you don't understand, we can, and you can wait. And Senor Fandino cut in and said, No, I'm leaving now. Bill encouraged him, No, wait, I, I can hear people coming now. And with that, almost a hundred people came down the mountain path and stood around the pool waiting to be baptized. Excusing himself, Bill got into the water and began telling them just why they were being baptized. And after a short time, Senor Fandino shouted out in English, Wait, mister, can I be baptized? And Bill replied, If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have repented, you sure can. And with that, Senor Fandino ran into the house, returned in his pajamas, and was ready for baptism. And Bill baptized him in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus. And Senor Fandino came out of the water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. In fact, he was so full of the Holy Ghost for four or five days, he could hardly speak a word in Spanish. He just worshipped and worshipped God. God does call everyone everywhere to repent. And when we repent from a sincere and humble heart, the Lord promises to forgive us and fill us with his Holy Spirit. All around the world, the power of repentance is being experienced, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon all of those who repent of their sins and call on the name of Jesus. Let's pray right now. Let's pray a prayer of repentance and ask God to forgive us. Ask God to change us, change our hearts, change our minds, change our thoughts, change our desires. Change us, make us more like him so we can be closer to him. Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your grace. I ask you today to forgive us. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my wrong, my wickedness. Forgive me for anything that would separate me from you, Jesus. Forgive me for anything I have said or done or even thought that would separate me from you. God, please forgive me today. For all those listening, I ask you to forgive them. I ask you, Lord, to forgive our nation for our sin, for how much we have sought after pleasure and how much we have walked away, even run away from you. Please forgive us and return us to you, Jesus. Bring us back to you. Restore righteousness in our cities. Restore righteousness in our nation. Restore righteousness in our world, Lord. Forgive us for our sin and cleanse us. Make us right with you, Jesus. If anyone listening has never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I pray as they repent and empty themselves of sin by the grace of God, you would fill them up with your Holy Spirit. Do this, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful promise and hope we have. When we repent, God forgives. Hey, be sure to click subscribe and share. Share this with somebody who needs to hear this glorious gospel that Jesus died for them. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And now we can repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his spirit. Share this gospel with them. Be sure to let them know about the episode and about the podcast. Head on over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find some great resources. If you're brand new in your faith or if you've been in faith and living for Jesus for a long time, you'll find great resources that will help you right where you are, take you farther in your walk with Jesus Christ. Next week, we continue the series, You Must Be Born Again, and we go into the next area 
called Born of Water. It's all about baptism in the lovely name of Jesus. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.